With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Scuderia F1, the podcast that's always up to speed with the latest Formula One news. Follow us on Twitter at Scuderia F1 Pod and subscribe to the show on iTunes and Stitcher. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Daly and Kevin Laramay. Hey everybody, what is up? Welcome to the podcast that is always up to speed with Formula One here on the Overtime Media Network. Mark Daly here, welcoming you on board to the show this week. Kevin is on assignment tonight. It was Canadian Championship Soccer tonight, and that meant he was off covering the Montreal Impact. The team I usually cover, the Vancouver Whitecaps, was knocked out of the competition several weeks ago. So instead, I get to sit here and talk Formula One with you, which I've been looking forward to doing all week. And after several months and 12 races... We have finally reached the summer break, and I, for one, actually need the summer break. For some reason, I have seemed to have come down with an untimely summer cold, and <laughs> it's not fun when it is hot and sunny and just uh, the, the best weather of the entire summer out there, and uh, you're dealing with a bit of a cold. just makes it a, a little bit more difficult. Anyways, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to plug away here, but if I cut the show a little bit shorter than usual, I apologize in advance, but uh, let's just uh, get right into it. So, Interesting, enjoyable race last week at the Hungaro Ring for the Hungarian Grand Prix. Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, it was between those two. Really quite exciting, and uh, what a climax uh, that one was. Lewis Hamilton uh, passing Max Verstappen right at the very end uh, after taking huge chunks out of uh, Max's lead after Lewis uh, decided to he had to make a second uh, pit stop to, to change to fresher tires, and Max gambling to stay out just couldn't stay in front of him. So before we get into it, let's uh, run down down the, the 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 final classification from the Hungarian Grand Prix and hey since it's the uh, the summer break let's just do the whole thing usually i just go down the top 5 or 10 but we've got a couple of weeks to fill here guys before we we start to to pick it up on the other side and get back to racing on the other side and so here we go number 1 was Lewis Hamilton winning his 8th race of the year followed by Max Verstappen Sebastian Vettel in 3rd leading home the first of the two Ferraris Charles Leclerc obviously in 4th 5th was Carlos Sainz and the McLaren 6th Pierre Gasly 7th Kimi Raikkonen in the Alfa Romeo Eighth was Valtteri Bottas, and yes, we're going to talk all about that. Lando Norris in the ninth in the second McLaren. Alexander Albon in the uh, Scuderia Toro Rosso in tenth. And Sergio Perez, Nico Hulkenberg, Kevin Magnussen, Danny Ricardo fourteenth in the second Renault. Still kind of blows my mind to see Danny Rick all the way down there. Danny Kvyat in fifteenth. George Russell in the first of the two Williams in sixteenth. Lance Stroll in the second of the What the points or what's the point racing i'm kidding it's racing point in uh in 17th place 18th was antonio giovinazzi robert kubica 19th was the last car classified as running and then the only car not to finish that race was roman grosjean who retired after 49 laps so let's look a little bit quickly at the Drivers' Championship. Really no point going down past the top five or six. Lewis Hamilton winning this race consolidated his lead on top of the uh, the standings. He now has a 62-point lead over Valtteri Bottas' teammate. Lewis now currently on 250 points. Valtteri now with 188 points. Max Verstappen making a really good case for himself to be Probably the best of the rest, the runner-up in the the World Championship, or the first of the drivers to lose, as Ayrton Senna always used to say. I'm not going to, I'm throwing any shade at Max, but uh, that was always a quite a memorable quote from the late, great Ayrton Senna. Anyways, Max with 181 points. Sebastian Vettel, 
he's had a couple of good races in a row here. I thought uh, the the strategy was pretty good from Ferrari to get him into third this uh, this past weekend. Anyway, Seb currently on 156 points, which is good enough for fourth in the World Championship. Charles Leclerc, who's kind of struggled as of late and hasn't really been able to get up higher than uh, just outside of the podium places, fifth with uh, 132 points. And then Pierre Gasly, sixth with 63 points and now just barely fighting off Carlos Sainz in the first of the two McLarens, who now has 58 world championship points on the season, which is um, very, very respectable. And um, McLaren continuing to impress as uh, as the season goes on, as their, their renaissance or their revival, whatever you want to call it, uh, continues to go and uh, a couple of good results. Another double points finish for McLaren this past weekend. And of course, on the Constructors' Championship, it is all one-sided. Of course, Mercedes running away with that 438 points, 288 for Ferrari in second, Third is Red Bull uh, with 244. They're starting to kind of close that gap a little bit. But, of course, all those points are mostly coming from Mad Max Verstappen. Pierre Gasly not doing enough to really um, deliver as many points as he could or should be doing. And, um, honestly, I think if uh, you're Christian Horner or Red Bull, that uh, you might think that you should be further up in the Constructors' Championship. And I think there's a very good case for it. They obviously have a very, very good car. And uh, they have a... uh, uh, a very very good engine in the in the Honda power unit. Anyways, then just rounding out the top four is uh, McLaren, eighty two points, which is uh, j- almost double Scuderia Toro Rosso, who are currently fifth in the constructors' uh, championship. So it was uh, quite a, an enjoyable race, usually, and I, I don't think this is any surprise or any shocker here. The Hungarian Grand Prix can be a little bit processional, a little bit uh, boring, just the way the nature of the track is. It's it's a bit of a funny one. You would think being a purpose-built uh, racetrack that uh, right out on the outskirts of, uh, of Budapest in the countryside, that uh, on a purpose-built track there would be more opportunities for overtaking and racing. But typically, and, and quite regularly over the years, it has been uh, somewhat of a procession. I remember, what was it, two years ago, Sebastian Vettel won that race and... And he had steering issues, if I remember correctly, and basically was able to park his car in front of his teammate, Kimi Raikkonen, in the two Mercedes, and uh, was able to come home with all 25 points uh, that race. And that's typically how things can go there. But we did see a fair amount of overtaking this past weekend, and uh, not just uh, Lewis Hamilton on uh, on, uh, on Max Verstappen, but uh, we saw a fair amount of, uh, of passing maneuvers. There's really only a couple of places that you can really pass at the end of the first um, straightaway there. And then also in that uh, series of corners going into turns two and three, although there were some exciting passes uh, further up the track. And uh, I know that uh, Valtteri Bottas might disagree with that uh, a little bit. And of course, uh, Max Verstappen and uh, Lewis having a good scrap there as well further up. I can't ex- exactly remember what turn that was, turn five or six, whatever it is. But, you know, it is basically a street uh, track. I think when they, they built it way back in the 80s, it was supposed to sort of mimic the same sort of characteristics uh, as Monaco and uh, Monaco of course being a street circuit has had its uh, fair share of criticism from fans and drivers alike especially over the past couple of years Last year, uh, the, uh, the the drivers were very critical. Uh, Lewis uh, didn't have very uh, many good things to say about Monaco. Fernando Alonso, very outspoken. And that race was made uh, a little bit more exciting uh, due to the fact that uh, Danny Ricciardo, who went on to win that race, struggled with uh, engine issues for um, at least two-thirds, if not three-quarters of the race. And it was uh, really kind of exciting uh, from that point of view to see if he would be able to stay out in front and uh, keep uh, his uh, competitors at bay, which he did. But, of course, just... Just the the tight winding nature of that circuit just makes it so uh, very difficult to pass. But just going back to the Hungarian Grand Prix this past weekend, we we certainly saw plenty of action. It was uh, very different uh, from last year where you had uh, Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas running one and two for a very long time. And then uh, Bottas just planting his car strategically or not, but uh, did just enough to to keep the Ferraris of Kimi Raikkonen and uh, and, uh, Sebastian Vettel, uh, Vettel at bay for a a good number of laps while Lewis 
excuse me, extended his lead at the front, and Sebastian and, and Kimmy were stuck behind uh, Bottas for a long, long time, when clearly they had uh, much faster cars than he did. And by the time they were able to get around him, then it was uh, far too late, and Lewis was just uh, untouchable by uh, at that point. But certainly there was a, a quite an exciting start to, to this race, but with uh, Max Verstappen, Lewis Hamilton, and uh, Sebastian Vettel, everybody racing down the inside, three abreast, uh, Valtteri Bottas also sticking his nose in there, but somehow miraculously, I think basically everybody got through those first couple of corners completely clean, but the the big moments in the first uh, couple of laps came at uh, turn four when um, uh, Charles Leclerc and Valtteri Bottas were uh, dicing and scrapping for position, and Charles came across, clipped the end of uh, Bottas's uh, right front end plate on the on the wing, breaking it, and there was just too much of a, of a vibration. He wasn't able to continue, and after a couple of laps, he went in for a, a change of a new front wing, which dropped him way down in the race order. And well, it was interesting to see whether or not uh, they were going to be able to, to get him back up. They did say at the time that they predicted that yeah, he'd be able to get uh, back up to six. Didn't really uh, work out that way, but certainly he gave it um, a good try, but not uh, a good way, a good day for, for Valtteri Bottas. I mean, at, at that point on that uh, track, you just know that it's going to be very, very difficult uh, for him to, um, to to fight back and, and really regain those uh, places. I mean, there, there were some points he was able to kind of carve his way through the race order and get around some of the cars that you would expect but at other times, especially when he was behind Danny Ricardo for quite a while, just sat there for a much longer period of time than I really expected. And I thought that uh, he would have uh, not too many problems getting around Ricardo, but it uh, turned out to, to be uh, a lot different than that. So just uh, talking about uh, the incident itself, uh, the Formula One race director, Michael Massey, said that the onboard footage of the, the Leclerc-Bottas incident, uh, which was noted by the stewards at the time, uh, and which they warranted and uh, ruled that the, no further action was required, uh, I, I think was the, the right way to do it. But um, the Massey did say that uh, there, there was a lot of uh, footage available, but it's some of the, 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 the different angles out there uh, distorted the, the, the images. And uh, Bottas, um, he went on to say that, uh, and I quote, when I saw the onboard, when I saw Vettel's onboard, it was clear that just uh, as I was going into, uh, straight ahead, he was on the right and he would have been uh, anyway ahead of me before turn four going straight. But suddenly he swept across, uh, across, and for me it was too late to react. I love hard racing, that's for sure, but it was completely unnecessary and for sure compromised my race, which is true. I mean, uh, as I was saying, when you lose a, win- uh, a front wing that early in the race on a track like the Hungaro Ring, that's going to just drop you right down to the very back of the order, and that's exactly what happened. But honestly... I don't have a problem with the way that um, that the stewards ruled. I thought that they that they did the correct thing. I think they reviewed it, which I think was the the, the, the proper thing to do. But I think it would have been uh, been harsh. It was it was unfortunate uh, for for Valtteri Bottas. Don't get me wrong, but uh, Leclerc was. Uh, I think he had the right to, to the corner. They were both uh, pushing for it. He was just that much uh, further ahead. It was tight, but as much as uh, uh, Bottas had the, the or felt he had the right for that corner, so did Charles. Just uh, by having the the, the benefit of the. Uh, the being in front of him about, uh, well, I'd say about seven-eighths of a car length. And uh, I, I think uh, just as much as uh, Bottas realizes or th- feels like he's got the, the, the right to that corner, that you have to make that decision as well, that uh, the, the guy that's uh, beside or just slightly in front of you is feeling the same way. So you have a split second or less in the cockpit of that car to make that decision and decide whether you're going to really push for it or you're going to have to pull back and just put the uh, put the brakes on. And this time it uh, ended up uh, costing him so. So disappointing, obviously, from uh, Mercedes, but, you know, do they really need another double podium finish, uh, dropping points with uh, with Bottas down in the race order in the final classification isn't going to really hurt them in the long run when it comes to the uh, the Constructors' uh, Championship. I mean, it's, it's all theirs for the taking. I mean, I can't uh, foresee a, uh, a situation that uh, that would uh, cause them to lose the Constructors' Championship at this point in time, but who knows? Stranger things have happened, but it would be 
uh, a really unforeseen and bizarre circumstance if that's actually what happened. Anyways, just uh, going back to what we were talking about uh, just off at the top here, off the top of the segment, Lewis Hamilton uh, praised Max Verstappen after the the, the, the race, uh, saying that uh, he was uh, respectful uh, during the battle, uh, during the Hungarian Grand Prix. I mean, when you go back to Monaco uh, a couple of months ago when it was Hamilton, who was struggling on the tires, Mercedes got the strategy wrong, put him on the wrong tires to everyone else, and he was struggling for a, a good portion of the race and, and, and fending off uh, Max Verstappen. Even though Max had that five-second time penalty to uh, to contend with, I, I still think that if he was able to get in front of Lewis, um, just due to the fact that uh, that uh, Red Bull had the strategy, made the right tire choices, uh, and, and got that right compared to where Mercedes went, uh, went wrong with uh, Verstappen, or sorry, with uh, Hamilton, excuse me, I think that if Max got in front of them, I think that he would have been able to go on to win that race had he enough laps uh, to, to do so, and uh, pull out a more than a five-second lead, uh, which would have offset that, uh, that time penalty for that little incident he had uh, for the unsafe release. Uh, uh, when he um, uh, bumped into uh, to uh, Verst- sorry uh, Hamilton's uh, teammate uh, Valtteri Bottas, but uh, this time I mean um, Hamilton and Max they they they, uh, they went out and they they went on the track and I think that um, it, it was a good scrap I think it was good it was fun to watch I mean Lewis got uh, quite close for a long time and. I was surprised at the at, at the point when he went in. I thought uh, that they were going to go all the way to the end, and uh, Lewis did have some brake issues because they did decide before the race that they weren't going to go with the two strop uh, strategy, but they had to mend that on the fly. And you just had to think with the the amount of time left in the lap or in the race. What was it? Less than twenty laps, fifteen laps. I don't remember exactly on the softer compound tires compared to Max's aging hard tires. And I thought for a while there, I mean, I mean, he was, uh, Lewis was really taking huge chunks out of uh, Verstappen's lead. And I really thought that he was uh, going to uh, maybe just do enough to hold off uh, Lewis Hamilton and uh, hang on to win for the day. Anyways, we'll talk a little bit more about that after this first break here on the Overtime Media Network. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, welcome back to Scuderia F1 here on the Overtime Media Network. And we're talking Hungarian Grand Prix. We're talking about Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. And just before the break, I was mentioning just uh, how uh, Lewis having the fresher tires at the uh, at the end of the race there and just the way he was able to carve huge amounts of times out of that, uh, that 20-second lead that uh, Verstappen had. It really was touch and go. I thought at one point that uh, that Max had enough of an advantage that if Lewis was going to be able to to come uh, close to him at the end of the race, it would just be too much. It would have been uh, maybe just not enough time for him to make a move on uh, Max, even if there was just maybe one, two, possibly three laps left. Just the, the way that the track is, that you can just drive a little bit of a wide car and uh, and and defend your uh, position uh, quite successfully. However, when it came down to those last couple of laps, it was uh, Verstappen that was saying that these tires were done. And then uh, when Lewis got into a position to pass him, it really was a no contest. Uh, that that uh, that that previous lap or so, he was right on the rear wing of Max Verstappen, less than half a second away. When they went around those last uh, couple of corners before the start finish straight, 
he was, I think, about um, four and a half tenths uh, behind uh, Max. I mean, literally right on his gearbox and uh, just going down that uh, that long straightaway at start finish. By the time they got to turn one, it was a done deal. The fresher tires, more grip, and he was just, uh, he was gone after that. Max uh, going in for a late pit stop, uh, goes in, tries to set the, the, the fastest lap. And, and why not at that point? I mean, you had the advantage of having a pit stop in your pocket. The Ferraris were much further behind you. And you got to give um, some, some kudos at think to Ferrari. I, I know that uh, maybe a, a week earlier in Germany, it was a great result for Sebastian Vettel. I mean, obviously, starting at the back of the pack for, for that race because of the, again, another problem with the car in qualifying. It looked like it was going to be another dark and gloomy weekend for Sebastian Vettel. And then Charles Leclerc having the same uh, similar issue uh, during qualifying ends up starting in 10th. And it looked like it was going to be a bad day for Ferrari. Obviously, it was a half a bad day for them because of Charles crashing out during the race. But anyways, Sebastian was one of the only guys that entire race that didn't have an excursion off the track. I think that uh, there was obviously a little bit of uh, luck and good timing involved in that. And it was a result that I think that he needed uh, getting a P2 at his home Grand Prix. Doesn't quite make up uh, for what happened last year when he got caught out uh, in a bit of a, a rainy session there where a bit of a wet spot just going into the stadium section. But it made up for something, made up uh, for some of the problems that uh, Ferrari have had. Obviously, it's it's very small and very uh, very minute compared to where he was this time last year, leading the world championship and, and basically going to head-to-head with uh, Lewis Hamilton not in this uh, same position this year, but at least the last two races, he's got a podium. And I thought uh, in Hungary, they Ferrari, that is, got the, the strategy for Sebastian uh, uh, pretty good. I thought they had it right on because he went in for a, a pit stop later in the race, put on the soft compound tires. Uh, Charles Leclerc's teammate stayed out on the hards. And by the time he closed the gap, he was able to get around his uh, teammate uh, without too many problems. I think that uh, he really left his braking very late going into turn one because he really uh, came out a little bit on the far side of the the apex and uh, maybe pushed Charles a a little bit uh, far. So it was a bit of an aggressive overtake uh, from Sebastian Vettel, but it was clean. There was no contact uh, between the two, which is obviously a cardinal sin in Formula One or motorsport in general. If you crash and uh, take out your teammate or even worse yet, take out uh, both cars. But it was good. I think it was uh, for Sebastian. I think it was another uh, result that he needed because they've had a tough, tough year. Ferrari. I mean, they in uh, in winter testing they looked like they were going to be the car to beat, and then when you get to serious racing, it was just uh, completely the opposite, and they just uh, haven't been competitive uh, at uh, well, basically all season long. And and some of it's been uh, self inflicted. Um, uh, Bahrain was a, was a tough one with uh, Leclerc having a mechanical issue when he should have won that one when they were clearly the best car on the day. Uh, Sebastian having a bit of an issue when he was fighting with Lewis Hamilton and then uh, having to go in for a a replacement of a front wing. But since then, they've really struggled. Charles, of course, put it into the wall or into the castle at uh, the Azerbaijan Grand Prix when it looked like he was uh, spot on or was uh, really looking like a favorite uh, for pole position. But a lot of the problems they have have been self-inflicted. Uh, go back to what I was just saying a couple of minutes ago about the German Grand Prix. Both cars having mechanical issues in, in qualifying. Sebastian, that's not the first time he's had that problem this year. And it's just uh, sort of been uh, compounded and it, it was a good result uh, for, for Sebastian Vettel. And and for Charles Leclerc as well. I mean, it was obviously a f- the third and the fourth and they were not even close to, to, to Red Bull because at the beginning of the year or at least through the first, I wouldn't say first half of the season, or the first half of the first half of the season, uh, they were they were pretty even in the, the last four or five races. I think obviously it's become the 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 uh, the, the running order has changed. I think that uh, Red Bull has obviously become much more competitive, much more reliable, much quicker than uh, than Ferrari. They're getting a lot of power out of that um, out of the Honda engine, and obviously the Red Bull itself is a very good car. They've got a very good chassis there, and it's just uh, working well. And uh, and Ross Braun, the motorsport uh, director at Formula One and obviously uh, former team principal at uh, Ferrari, says that uh, Ferrari, quote, badly need to win a race. And <laughs> it is, um, yeah, obviously they need it. 
what else can I can I say to that? I mean, they they haven't won a race this year. Lewis Hamilton out of the first twelve races has won eight, and that's obviously why he has such a huge lead on top of the the, the drivers' championship. Valtteri Bottas and Max Verstappen both have won a pair of races. Max uh, more recently winning uh, in, in in Germany and Austria, and um, had uh, that race ended a couple of laps sooner in Hungary, he probably would have won that one too. Uh, however. Ferrari have had their chances earlier on in the season, and they just haven't been able to to to, to get it done. And they haven't scored a single victory, obviously, so far in the first 12 races so far. And, well, there was obviously the big uh, controversy in Canada, what with uh, Sebastian Vettel coming across the line first, uh, beating Lewis Hamilton, but he was given that uh, that time penalty for uh, going off the track in turn three and then having judged to be or re-entered the track uh, unsafely and then was uh, penalized uh, quite harshly in a lot of people's opinions uh, for, for coming back because uh, Lewis had to take a evasive action because again if this past uh, weekend was a story of uh, Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton scrapping it out Canada a couple of months ago was a story of Sebastian Vettel and Lewis Hamilton uh, scrapping it out for that for that one because they were miles ahead of everyone I think at the time Charles Leclerc was in uh, in, in third position he was at least a dozen if not 15 seconds uh, behind at uh, at that point in the race and uh, it really was going to be down to uh, to uh, either Lewis Hamilton or Sebastian Vettel winning that race and I think unfortunately Fortunately, and we talked about it at the time, that uh, the, the stewards deciding it, rightly or wrongly or unjustly or correctly, depending on your point of view, uh, it the, the end results, the net result for me was it uh, deprived Formula One fans in general of uh, an exciting finish like we saw this past weekend in Hungary. I mean, you could just tell just the way that Max's tires were aging and the way that uh, Lewis was so quick and had so much grip. And uh, you, you just knew that uh, that these two were going to get very close towards the, the, the end of the race. I was kind of hoping for a bit more of a scrap uh, between them, but Max's tires were just too far gone at that point for him to really mount a serious uh, challenge and defense of uh, the, the lead there. But, you know, it was decided on the track. And I, I think that's what the big difference was, obviously, that that, that Max was able to, um, you know, I mean, he lost the race. He finished uh, second. Uh, Lewis went on to win it. But that result was uh, decided between a straight-up fight between the two. I mean, uh, Vettel did have that moment uh, when uh, when he lost the the, uh, the the rear end and just uh, wasn't able to get into the uh, clean entry into that corner and uh, had to go over the grass. And, well, you can put that down to another thing. So the, the obvious thing and the easy way to, uh, of course, is to uh, blame Sebastian Vettel and, and, and say that was a driver fault. I mean, there, there's a number of things there, but it was just a frustrating thing because those two guys were having a really good scrap and even though at uh, at the end of the race I mean Lewis didn't really have to do anything but to just stay within a couple of uh, seconds of uh, Sebastian Vettel didn't just had to get the car across the, the line in one piece and not do anything silly and and put it into say the wall of champions or or push the car to so hard that it would break because all he had to do finish within five seconds you're going to win that race but I, I think that uh, that was, again, as close as uh, Ferrari uh, could have come to, to win a race uh, the, this week, or sorry, this uh, this year. And uh, Braun is right. They need it so badly, but it's it just isn't happening for them. It is just turning out to be a horrible, horrible year for them. And uh, Vettel, I mean, he's been quite uh, harsh on himself, uh, saying that uh, out of the first 12 phrases of uh, the, the year, he's given his uh, season a 5 out of 10 uh, ranking. And I mean, a lot of that, I mean, and over time, I mean, I've been fairly critical about uh, Sebastian Vettel, especially last year. I thought a lot of the incidents that he got involved with uh, were preventable from his point of view. But at other times, the teams didn't, you know, didn't put him in a, in a, the, the best uh, situation to succeed or to defend or, or go out and fight or whatever the circumstance uh, may be. But he is obviously not happy, and can you really blame him? I think that uh, after last year and all the disappointments, all the frustrations, and the fact that last year I think that uh, that the Ferrari and the Mercedes were very, very equal terms, and at at, uh, at some points the uh, the one car was slightly better than the other, and um, he had a real legitimate shot to win the world championship last year, and it was really after the uh, the Italian Grand Prix when he had that uh, coming together with uh, Lewis Hamilton. That, for me, was the real 
uh, benchmark moment in the season because we got to Hungary at this point last year. Lewis wins that race. Sebastian finishes second. I mean, they're still pretty even. And it was Sebastian who crashed out of the race in the rain last year while uh, leading the race. And then this year it was Hamilton who had all the uh, the, the issues <laughs> that he had the German Grand Prix ended up with his egg on his face. So, I mean, it happens to the best of them. Last year, it was uh, Vettel who went off in the wet. Uh, this year, it was Hamilton. Had a couple of uh, journeys off, and uh, but uh, but he came back, won the Hungarian Grand Prix. We get the summer break, get to the other side. We go to Belgium, go to Spa, and uh, Vettel looked great there. He looked uh, so dominant in the Ferrari around, uh, around Spa. And was just able to keep uh, Lewis Hamilton at uh, at arms uh, arms length. I thought, here we go, game on. We're going to have an exciting second half to the finish or to, to finish off the season. But it just uh, didn't really uh, turn out this way that way. And after that uh, that accident that he had with Lewis, after the bit of what well, you could say it was a bit of a mix up in in qualifying, where uh, at uh, Q three, uh, Kimi Raikkonen gets the benefit of the toe and the slipstream of Sebastian Vettel's uh, from Sebastian Vettel's car ends up on pole and then Sebastian just being that little bit further back ends up mixing up with Hamilton and that like I say that for me was that benchmark moment and uh, then it just sort of went from bad to worse and there was Singapore didn't go that great and then uh, we all know some of the uh, the incidents that uh, Vettel had with Max uh, in in uh, in Japan and then also uh, he had his moments at the, the U.S. Grand Prix and obviously it must have been hugely frustrating for the guy, hugely frustrating for the team, knowing that they've been competitive and in the in in the fight for a good two thirds of the season, and just uh, knowing that uh, that uh, that they let it slip through their fingers, and it looks like they got a good car in testing, and then when you get to real racing, it just doesn't work out. So Sebastian obviously not uh, not happy, and, and and Charles Leclerc too. I mean, uh, <laughs> I think that uh, that he obviously must be uh, quite frustrated as well because he hasn't been able to to. Deliver, deliver really challenge for that race victory or uh, a pole position in the last uh, excuse me several races and um, it's just one of those things Ferrari just having a really really bad year and that this one <laughs> I thought was a, a little bit uh, amusing this uh, one comes uh, courtesy of uh, motorsport.com and, and in which uh, Formula One or sorry Ferrari Formula One boss uh, Matteo Bonato says that uh, Ferrari has much work to do and uh, he says that uh, it's the right time to have some holiday and well honestly it's just maybe news uh, from three months ago I mean they, they've been struggling <laughs> all season long and uh, obviously I think they will benefit uh, from a, a couple of weeks uh, break and who knows maybe they'll be able to get something together maybe try and get into the position to to win a couple of races before the end of the year they're they're obviously not going to win or be in the position for either the constructors or the drivers championship this year but they need something positive they need some momentum and that uh, a couple of race wins i think would uh, go a long way to to really help uh, them uh, get in the right frame of mind and just to have some stepping stones have build a little bit of foundation to go into the off season and hopefully carry that through into 2020 and uh, hopefully have a better year next year but uh, speaking of holidays it is a uh, time again for a quick break here and uh, don't go away there's plenty of more things to talk about including Pierre Gasly and is he really pulling his weight at Red Bull Racing and we'll talk about that after this short break here on the Overtime Media Network don't go away we'll be right back All right, welcome back to the show, and let's talk a little bit more about uh, Mercedes and Red Bull. And I thought this was a, an interesting uh, comment after the race. Uh, despite uh, the good scrap that Hamilton and uh, Max Verstappen had at uh, well throughout the race, uh, Max went on to say that uh, just the way that uh, Hamilton pushed and was able to, to close that gap in that crucial last uh, 15, uh, 20 laps, whatever it was, after he went in for his second pitch stop, uh, really showed how much uh, margin that uh, that uh, Mercedes still has. And it, it was impressive. I mean, the thing is, they, they looked invincible uh, for so many races this year. And um, recently, we, we've seen that in certain circumstances that they are vulnerable. Uh, Hungary was one of those. 
And not that they were completely out of the the, the picture, mind you. I mean, it, it was more of a straight up fight, and and certain circuits uh, lend that uh, you know can present that situation. I think the big surprise for me was just um, how far off things they were competitively in the uh, in the in the in the Austrian Grand Prix a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we, we were talking uh, this past week about just how impressive uh, Lewis's charge was right at the end there to kind of close that gap after the the late pit stop and just get back I mean it was it was impressive not only that he was able to close that gap but he was also uh, able to close it in such amount of time that he left uh, enough time to really mount uh, a decent uh, uh, challenge to Max Verstappen I mean of course it was a, a pretty easy and uh, and a pretty quick um, <laughs> situation that was sorted out uh, to Lewis Hamilton but the uh, on the flip side, and despite uh, Total Wolf saying that uh, you know Lewis was in another dimension and all these things, and sure, I mean it was brilliant. I mean I don't want to take anything away from the guy, but I mean he's one of the best drivers ever in the best car at the moment with the, one of the best engines in it. So uh, I mean the conditions were right, and he got the guy on fresh tires compared to Max Verstappen, who has a good car and a good engine, but still it's not a Mercedes, and uh, he's got the old tires. So you just knew that uh, that the that the conditions or the uh, the scenario was tilted more in Lewis's favor but if you look back a couple of races to the Austrian Grand Prix just uh, on that uh, the, that day uh, Mercedes were not as competitive as say Ferrari definitely not as uh, as competitive as the Red Bull or at least as uh, as Max Verstappen who just got stronger and stronger and stronger as the the race went on and he was just uh, miles ahead of everyone else and uh, it, it is interesting when you get these uh, certain situations on different tracks, just how that balance of power really shifts. I think it was more even between, uh, you know, Max Verstappen and and Lewis uh, this weekend. I think that it wasn't so much that the um, that the, the track was better suited to the the the, the Red Bull than say the Mercedes, because I mean they were both quick around there. But I think that uh, the, the the big leveling factor was that that the uh, the track made it uh, a good uh, situation that um, that the advantage that say Lewis Hamilton had uh, was maybe negated a little bit and i think that um, that uh, that we just saw two good drivers uh, going at it in uh, maybe a, a circuit that didn't really suit either of their cars 100%. At least that's my take. I, I think it was exciting. I think it was fun to watch. But still, I think that uh, Max makes a, a really good point that uh, even though he was able to stick with Lewis and fight with him and, and nearly pulled it off, I mean, he only needed that couple of extra laps, that uh, that uh, Mercedes still has that um, that hole or that, that much uh, advantage over uh, everyone else. And it was, it was kind of interesting, too. I was thinking about it, um, that Lewis had to go in for that second pit stop. And when he came out, uh, Max had something close to about a 21 second, <clears throat> excuse me, lead on Lewis when he uh, rejoined the track. And uh, obviously the, he uh, stayed out on the track. And if there was that opportunity to go in and go for, for fresh tires for Max Verstappen, he should have done it right away. Uh, he would have, uh, I think, maybe just had enough to stay out in front of Lewis Hamilton. But I think it would have uh, gone back right to that situation that was prior to the pit stop where they were just uh, within a second, second and a half of each other for a long time. And I was wondering, well, the, the obviously in, in, in hindsight, in hindsight, uh, being 2020 you can make the argument well uh lewis and mercedes got it right even though you know the 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 break issue or concerns that they had kind of forced their hands a little bit uh but i mean it it did work out for them but you you make i was thinking too well if max had gone in that second or that 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 very uh same lap or the 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 following lap well he had that gap uh, or the you know the potential to come back in front of lewis hamilton how long would he have been able to stay in front of him if uh, they both uh, went on medium tires or soft tires, whatever compound they went, uh, or perhaps a different one? But if uh, they they both went for for that um, you know uh, consecutive pit stops within a lap or two of each other, would Max have been able to fend Lewis off for that fifteen or twenty laps? I'm not so sure that he would have been able to. I mean, Lewis was able to get close to him a, a couple of times. Uh, before that uh, second pit stop, and I think that uh, that maybe if Max had gone in, this is just my own gut feeling. I think that uh, that Lewis would have passed him a, a lot sooner. I think I still think he would have passed him, uh, regardless uh, if if Max had uh, gone in for tires or not. I think uh, just obviously by Max going out, he just uh, prolonged the inevitable, and I think it was. Uh, 
a risk worth taking. I think that for for Red Bull, I think they were stuck between the devil and the deep blue sea. I think that uh, that uh, if they went in, then they they risked uh, maybe uh, giving up that lead sooner. I think that uh, that that gap might have been uh, too small and too unsustainable to defend for fifteen or twenty laps, and then uh, they took the risk by keeping Max out there on aging tires, but. Uh, obviously, the tires expired a couple of laps uh, too soon, and he just uh, wasn't able to uh, to defend off Lewis Hamilton. So, kind of damned if you do, and uh, damned if uh, you don't. But uh, just before we go on and talk about uh, Pierre Gasly here and uh, what he is or isn't uh, doing for for Red Bull. I was just uh, thinking that, or I came across this a little bit earlier as I was going through. I found a quote uh, from uh, Christian Horner, the team principal at Red Bull Racing, who said, only a gargantuan F-up, and uh, that's a uh, uh, expletive, <laughs> could cost uh, Mercedes the, the, the title. And uh, he's absolutely right. We were talking about it earlier in the show. There, I don't think, is any reasonable or foreseeable thing that could happen uh, that would cost uh, Mercedes uh, the the world championship for both the drivers or the constructors this year. I mean, they'd have to completely sabotage it themselves or have an unprecedented run of bad luck that uh, that we've never seen in Formula One or perhaps in pro sports period, because it would uh, take uh, a lot for them to to um, really lose. I mean, they basically have to lose all, lose all the, uh, the the races here on out, and uh, I, I just can't uh, see it. But it was a bit of an amusing uh, comment from uh, from Christian Horner. So let's talk now about Pierre Gasly and uh, what's happening at uh, at Red Bull Racing. Uh, the the thing is, I mean, if you go back and you look at where where the teams are in the uh, in in the World Championship in the constructors, and you look, I, I mean, Charles Leclerc, Sebastian Vettel having a similar run of form and and similar results um, Sebastian maybe had some better results uh, than Charles obviously he's got uh, more more points in the uh, in the world championship uh, Valtteri Bottas has been able to win a couple of races this year I mean only two compared to eight uh, for for his teammate Lewis Hamilton but Lewis is Lewis and uh, Bottas is Bottas and uh, and and uh, Total Wolf said before the uh, the start of the season that he would have to perform on a level uh, comparable to Lewis Hamilton if he was to stick with the team beyond 2019 and into 2020. But we look at Max Verstappen and uh, Pierre Gasly, and uh, you, you just look at uh, the amount of points that uh, that each driver is and is not uh, scoring in, in that team. It really is a night and day. And um, uh, the thing is, Gasly, obviously a young driver still, but Max is still a young driver, and uh, he's been able to get it done for the past uh, couple of uh, seasons. I mean, let's just uh, quickly, uh, before I get uh, deeper into that thought, just a quick uh, refresher again uh, on the on the driver standings. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, 250. Uh, Valtteri Bottas, 188. Max with 181. Vettel with 156. And Charles Leclerc with 132. I mean... That's where you get your points in the Constructors' uh, Championship. I mean, obviously, Vettel has uh, a little bit more, uh, you know, roughly, I guess, about 25 points more than his uh, teammates. Not really a huge gap. I mean, there's a bigger gap between Valtteri Bottas and Lewis Hamilton. Um, but, I mean, the the big one is obviously Max Verstappen, 181 compared to 63 points in the uh, the, the, the Drivers' uh, Championship uh, compared to uh, to Pierre Gasly. And that's really what is uh, hindering them in the Constructors' uh, Championship. And not only that, I mean, you need both cars, I mean, uh, out there. I mean, I was talking a little bit uh, earlier about uh, the, the 2017 Hungarian Grand Prix and just how uh, Valtteri Bottas was able to hold uh, the, the, the Ferraris at bay for a, a very long uh, a, a period of time, which gave Lewis the, the opportunity to extend that lead at the front. And I know we can go back and talk about the the, the comment that uh, Total Wolf made about uh, you know Bottas being the ideal wingman, and which was a bit cringeworthy and I think a bit painful if uh, you're Valtteri Bottas. I mean, Total backtracked after the fact to say that that was unintended. He didn't really mean uh, mean it that context but even if it was a bit of a freudian slip i think it's uh, said a lot but the point is pierre gasly's obviously there as a number two driver and he has a good car he's just not uh, getting the uh, the the results uh, that uh, that he needs but i mean if you look even at the, the the qualifying results verstappen starts off the year fourth fifth fifth fourth 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 third 11th that was a bit of a one-off the outlier 
fourth, third, and then, you know, he's always in the top three or four, and he finally got his first career pole this past uh, weekend. I mean, you look at Gasly on the flip side, 17th, 13th, 6th, 15th, 6th, 5th, 5th, 9th, and, I mean, this past, uh, or the past three races, 5th, 4th, and uh, this past weekend, 6th, so that's uh, not really all that uh, that great, but the average gap between uh, some of the drivers, and the, this is a shout out to TS, uh, ESPN.co.uk who've compiled these stats. So the average gap uh, between the uh, teammates uh, when uh, both drivers make it to Q3, so between uh, Lewis Hamilton and Valtteri Bottas at Mercedes is 0.102 seconds, so a tenth of a second. You know, that's not too bad. Just, you know, obviously could be uh, you if you're Valtteri Bottas you want to be uh, a little bit closer than that Leclerc and Vettel very very close Leclerc holding a, a bit of an, an advantage there and there's only six and a half hundredths uh, between the two of them so very very small but then the big one between Verstappen and Gasly almost six tenths of a second so that's really 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 big and then this is interesting too. They've also uh, gone through and uh, compiled a bit of a ratio here. So for every point that Sebastian Vettel scores, Charles Leclerc scores 0.84 points. So they're they're pretty even. So for every point that Danny Ricardo at Renault scores, Nico Hulkenberg scores 0.77 points. For every point that Lewis Hamilton scores, Valtteri Bottas scores 0.75. And uh, so on it goes, but this one and this is uh, this is huge, Verstappen. So every point that Max Verstappen has scored this year, Pierre Gasly has only scored 0.34 of a point. So that uh, that really is a huge gap. And uh, you would think at this point in time, and obviously he's going to need some time settling into the team, but he did enough to impress. And I know that uh, that everything that happened last year, what with uh, Danny Ricardo rather shockingly and unexpectedly deciding to leave Red Bull and not sign a new contract for, for 2019 and beyond and instead decides to go to Renault, kind of forced their hand a little bit because they didn't have a lot of drivers that um, that have uh, super, uh, super points uh, on their license. And that's part of the reason why Danny Kvyat was back at uh, Toro Rosso, what with uh, Pierre Gasly coming up, because at that point, all the other top drivers had already been uh, re-signed or they were committed to other teams. I mean, uh, Lewis Hamilton had signed a new contract. Vettel was still at Ferrari. And Charles Leclerc, that was still a little bit up in the air, but I mean, it had been a bit of an open secret or maybe an expectation that he would end up at uh, Ferrari before it was all said and done. So there, there wasn't really too many options open to them. And um, Charles Leclerc uh, has, uh, was given his opportunity with Ferrari and um, Pierre Gasly was given his uh, opportunity with Red Bull. And it kind of got off to a, a rough start for Pierre Gasly. He had uh, he racked up the car in winter testing in uh, in Barcelona and just hasn't been able to, to get it done on the track thus far. And it's I, and, and and Christian Horner is right that that, that Pierre Gasly's uh, lack of results is starting to hurt the team because when you see how Ferrari is uh, still ahead in uh, the constructors' championship and uh, Leclerc and and Vettel managing to score points, they're obviously not winning the races, but they're doing enough to keep uh, Ferrari in second. The thing is. They probably shouldn't be there. Uh, as the season has gone on, they've they've kind of chugged along all season long. They've never really hit uh, good form. Whereas Red Bull is just uh, they, they started out good and they've gotten better slowly but surely. And uh, that that boast or the claim that uh, Max Verstappen made a couple of months ago when he said that uh, they they believed that they would be able to uh, win races by the, the the time summer came around seemed to me like a bit of a I would say a boast, but uh, seemed like a bit of a bold claim at least uh, at the time when Max made it. But it turned out to to be correct, and the fact that uh, they are about forty points behind in the constructors championship uh, compared to ferrari has a lot to do with the fact that uh, the pierre gasly just hasn't been able to step up and uh, and deliver consistent results and it kind of really made me wonder had danny ricardo decided to stay with red bull and and not move to renault this year what uh, what the combination of max verstappen danny ricardo 
and Red Bull and Honda would be doing this year? And the easy, and I think the obvious answer is that uh, if that, if that uh, pair was still together, that they would be much uh, further ahead in the world championship than, uh, than Ferrari. They wouldn't be as close as, uh, as, uh, as uh, to, to Mercedes, but I think that uh, obviously they would be in uh, second place, and I think they'd be a, a much bigger gap between Red Bull and Ferrari than uh, there is right now with Ferrari to Red Bull. So a lot of points left out there on the track and uh, disappointing. So it's going to be interesting to see what uh, Red Bull, what uh, Christian Horner, what Dr. Helmut Marco, what they decide uh, to do with that team uh, this year. Do we see perhaps a, ch- a return of Danny Kvyat? Do we see the torpedo go back to Red Bull uh, next year? He said, uh, I-, I think a very good season with Toro Rosso so far and his uh, return to Formula One after spending a year on the sidelines as a simulator or reserve driver for, uh, for Ferrari. But whether or not uh, they deem that he's good enough to race again in the senior Red Bull squad and whether or not he's good enough, that's uh, that's uh, you know, a big question that's going to be answered. But... It's not quite of a, a silly season this year compared to last year well, with a lot of guys getting locked down. And uh, Red Bull, I think, is one to be uh, keeping an eye on whether or not they decide to uh, pull the trigger at some point, maybe between now and the end of the year. Maybe seems like it's a, a little bit harsh, but uh, they've done it before with Kvyat. And uh, perhaps they will do it uh, with uh, with Pierre Gasly. I mean, the sensible thing to do is uh, maybe invest a bit of time in the guy and hope that uh, he can get it together over the remaining nine races of the season and uh, maybe uh, get on some uh, form and then uh, maybe you go into it to, uh, next year or maybe he doesn't. And then if, uh, if that's the case, if he continues to struggle, reevaluate at the end of the season and then see what you decide to do and make that uh, decision then. Anyways, uh, my voice needs a bit of a rest here, so we're going to take one final quick break here, and uh, we'll come back and we're going to start to slowly shut down the show here, and uh, we'll do that just in a moment. Don't go away. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to Scuderia F1 podcast here on the Overtime Media Network. And it is time to slowly start closing this thing down. But don't worry, we're not going to go away. We're going to be here over the summer break. We've got a couple of things planned. So we're, we're going to keep going. And, uh, well, you know, why not? I enjoy talking about Formula One. You guys enjoy listening. So let's keep talking about Formula One in the interim. And uh, we'll find some things to talk about. i got a, a couple of uh, things that I want to do, a couple of things I want to talk about. So we'll get to that over the next couple of weeks. And the first thing I wanted to talk about was... Um, Max Verstappen taking a bit of a dig at Renault after they made a claim that they have uh, broken the 1,000 horsepower barrier at times uh, this year. And uh, uh, <laughs> Max uh, said uh, something, uh, to, well, he didn't say something to the effect of, this is Max's exact uh, quote. He said, well, if they claim to have uh, 1,000 horsepower, they have a really bad car. I think it's better to do the talking on the track than in the media anyways. So <laughs> that is true. But I mean, Renault really continue to struggle. And I, I think it is really interesting uh, when you compare them uh, to uh, to McLaren, who are a customer, Renault. Uh, 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 team and uh, they're doing so much better. I mean, last year Renault were fourth in the in the world championship, and the constructors are just not in that um, in that conversation in the moment. Who knows? Maybe they'll be able to get it uh, turned around in the second half of the season here. But it seems very unlikely. I think that uh, that the McLaren have done a fairly good job. I mean, Zach Brown and uh, I, I think has done an exceptional job over the past couple of years, slowly but surely making some very calculated, some very smart, very key. Uh, appointments in the team, latest one being uh, Andreas Seidel, who came over from the Porsche LMP1 team, uh, the, the appointment of James Key as technical director from, from Toro Rosso, um, you have Jill DeFerrin, and uh, all these other people that, uh, that are there, but slowly but surely, they've put uh, good people in place. Not to say that there aren't good people to, in place at Renault, but the thing is, everything that McLaren have done, everything that, uh, that to me that looks very uh, measured, very well thought out, very calculated, is starting to pay off, and uh, having um, you know, the, the the customer Renault engines are much further ahead uh, than, than Renault. I mean, we're, I was talking about it just before the break there, and I have to kind of wonder, and I know that it's still early days 
ish for Renault and for for Danny Ricardo. But the thing is, I would have expected to see more improvements over the uh, the first dozen races of the season. And Danny Ricardo not getting out of Q three at the Hungarian Grand Prix that was uh, a real real shocking moment for me to, to, to be quite honest it was basically a one-year anniversary of uh, Ricardo's announcement to, to say that he was uh, leaving uh, Red Bull to go to Renault the, I know at the race last year he was uh, basically saying still that uh, that he was going to sign with uh, with Red Bull and that uh, all they had to do was uh, dot the I's and cross the T's with, on a new contract that was going to be done and then you have a week later or so in the, in the summer break uh, Danny announces that he's going to uh, to, to Renault which you could kind of see. I mean, obviously that Max Verstappen is the rock star in that team. And even if they never came out and said that Max was the uh, was the number one driver and Ricardo was a number two, he's always going to be the de facto number one. I mean, you could call them 1A and 1B. It, w- it was always going to be Max's team. So from that point of view alone, I could see why Danny Ricardo would uh, want that opportunity to go to a team like uh, Renault that 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 have a, a decent budget that that have the resources that the, that they have being one of the the biggest car manufacturers in the world having a, a good team that's uh, established that's uh, been working on this project over the medium term over the past several years has a good driver there already in the uh, in in the form of Nico Hulkenberg still shockingly has not been able to uh, get on the podium yet in formula 1 despite I don't know it was over 150 he starts in uh, in in, uh, in Grand Prix racing, but uh, there you go. But I still can't help but wonder whether deep down Danny Ricardo is starting to question whether or not he made a, a good decision. Uh, the the thing is that 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 for me the the Red Bull and Honda partnership seems to be getting stronger and stronger all the time. And and Honda said uh, last year even. Uh, in, in fairly sh- uh, short order after the announcement was made that uh, that they were going to be partnering with uh, Red Bull to be their engine supplier, to be their engine partner, um, that uh, that they wanted to keep them on the same level as uh, they were with uh, with Renault Power this year in, in 2019. And they've been able to do that. I mean, even though the Renault has not uh, delivered uh, the same sort of power and the, the same uh, or helped uh, Red Bull to the same success that they had uh, prior to the V6 turbo hybrid era, they still were able or, or good for a couple or several uh, race wins each and every year. And, and we've had a couple so far with, uh, with Honda Power this year. But the thing is, I see Honda and Red Bull getting better quicker now then I see with Renault. To, to me, Renault seem like they're stuck in the quicksand. They just, I, I don't know what it is. I, I think we saw incremental improvements over the first couple of years after they, they, they took over Lotus and saved that team and then rebranded it and, and, and took it in a whole new direction as a new Renault work, uh, works team. But to me, for at least the last year, maybe 18 months, despite all the claims that they've made, that they, they just haven't been able to really move it forward. And like I say, to, to me, it just uh, gives that... Uh, that appearance that uh, they're, they're just stuck in the quicksand and kind of really makes me wonder if Danny Ricardo uh, regrets uh, that uh, decision. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. I have no evidence or any inside knowledge to suggest uh, either way. Kind of makes me wonder what Max Verstappen wants to do after after next year. I think he's got a huge decision to make. I mean, uh, Valtteri Bottas, he is out of contract at uh, Mercedes this year. I think they do have an option on him for next year. But if you're Total Wolf and you've seen uh, what Max Verstappen can do, and there was the opportunity for Max to go to Mercedes a couple of years ago uh, as a as a development driver or reserve driver or whatever it was, and he decided not to, got into the Red Bull system. Obviously, it was a great choice. I think that uh, that he made the right thing, even though he was what 18 at the time. I think he made a, a brilliant move, and it paid off. Uh, you know, he had some time at Toro Rosso. Gets his first win at the Spanish Grand Prix and his very first race uh, for for uh, for Red Bull after he got bumped up after uh, switching places when Daddy Kvyat was uh, demoted, and he hasn't looked back since. I mean, he obviously has the talent to, to be a, a world champion, and so I wonder though if um, he's got a, a difficult choice to make. It's, should that uh, present itself uh, to him uh, after next year? If uh, Mercedes uh, uh, drive a huge truckload of money up to his house and make him an offer that's uh, too good to refuse to join Mercedes alongside Lewis Hamilton, I could see Lewis signing another contract and staying in Formula 1. I think a lot of it has to do with what uh, 2021 and beyond is going to look like. 
but I could also see Max going there in cer- certain scenarios, but I think it would be difficult. I, I, I just have a feeling that there's a lot more to come from Red Bull and Honda, and I think that there's uh, more promise of things to come between Red Bull and Honda. I think there's uh, there, there's a lot more there than they had with uh, with Renault, and I think it's very, very promising. So that's going to be interesting to watch, and uh, just uh, the, the whole thing, the, the joke, the tongue-in-cheek comment that uh, Max made about their 1,000-horsepower their uh, claim, it, it kind of had me chuckle, and it had me thinking about all these uh, different uh, scenarios. But just moving on a, a little bit, uh, Danny Ricardo said that, uh, just talking about him, that uh, the FIA warning to uh, Magnussen for uh, some of the the moves and defensive driving made, uh, he felt it was insufficient and it wasn't uh, enough. Whereas uh, Haas team principal uh, said there was uh, nothing wrong with it. Uh, uh, Magnussen's uh, defensive uh, driving. Everybody kind of knows what uh, what Magnussen's like. He he has that reputation. Uh, he's he's a hard guy. He's he's uh, aggressive. That doesn't mean that uh, that gives him any right uh, to to do anything dangerous. Or, or get away with them more than anyone else. But it was, there were a couple, I think, very aggressive uh, maneuvers that uh, that he made to keep in front of, uh, of Danny Ricardo. I don't think at any point uh, it deserved any uh, any reprimand from the FIA, but uh, I, I think I'm okay with, uh, with, uh, with him getting a warning uh, from, from the FIA. I mean, it would have been a different um, uh, situation or scenario had he collided with the, with the Ricardo or damaged his front wing or there, there was something like that or pushed him onto the grass, whatever the case may be. It was tough. It was hard. It was aggressive racing. Did he come close to the line? Yes, I think he did. Did he cross over it? No, but I think that uh, if you have a line between what's fair and what's dirty, I think that he definitely was right on the margin there. So I think that uh, that it was a um, a fair uh, outcome and probably the right come uh, right outcome that uh, the FIA just let him off uh, with a warning. But let's just uh, close it down now. My my voice is starting to get a, a little bit. Um, uh, uh, you know, a little bit ragged here with the news that uh, the Mexican Grand Prix is set to be uh, renewed uh, for a new F1 uh, contract, which is uh, interesting because it's a uh, heavily subsidized uh, by the government, which uh, they said uh, they wanted to spend the uh, the the money uh, elsewhere. But it sounds like uh, that's going to be uh, done. So. It's also looking like uh, Monza for the Italian Grand Prix is going to be news or, or renewed, and also Spain looks like it's going to be renewed. Uh, there was a real feeling after the the Spanish Grand Prix back in May that that might be it, which seems a little bit kind of uh, strange and counterintuitive because uh, Barcelona has had a Grand Prix for for decades, literally, and it's uh, where where they test during the winter. And I thought it would have been a, a little bit of a shame. And I've got a bit of a personal connection to the track because uh, I've been to the Spanish Grand Prix and really enjoyed it. I mean, Barcelona itself is a wonderful city and it's a great venue. I mean, the track itself, yeah, it's not always the most exciting Grand Prix, but uh, not to have a Spanish Grand Prix would uh, would be a bit of a shame. But uh, it only sounds like at the, the, the moment uh, the moment that the, the German Grand Prix might be uh, falling off uh, the, the calendar. But uh, the F1 teams have actually agreed to a 22 race calendar for 2020, which uh, I think is... Uh, is uh, is amazing and uh i i remember back in the day when i was a kid i think they had what 16 races and then it's steadily gone up and and you know quite honestly i, I like where it's at now with uh, with uh, over 20 races a, a year uh last year was pretty cool when the what was there three races and three weekends with what uh great britain france and and germany or was it france britain and germany or whatever whatever it was i think it was pretty cool one after the other after the other of course you can do that when you have some of the uh, european races that are a little bit uh, closer together but uh, total wolf uh, was saying and uh, i quote in a nutshell we basically agreed to have a 20 second race we've got uh, to let liberty do their business and their business to grow f1 if they are able to attract promoters we've got to uh, support them so we shouldn't change the technical races because we have an extra race that was the debate we had it shouldn't be seen as an opportunity to increase the number of uh, components but equally we've got to protect our people and all of us because it could get to a point where it's not manageable anymore with one single crew that becomes a factor that needs uh, a solution i think that that total wolf makes a, a couple of uh, really really good points there 
And I guess 22 races is uh, logistically where the, the, the breaking point is. And I think if they can um, uh, squeeze it in and, uh, and, and uh, do that amount of races, I think it's uh, great. Obviously, we've got a new race uh, coming back on or coming in next year with, uh, with Vietnam and a bunch of renewals. So it, it should be great. And uh, personally, I like the long season that starts uh, just in the first half of March and goes all the way to the end of uh, November. Those couple of months from December to the beginning of March, or at least uh, th- those two months between December and uh, winter testing around the middle of February, that seems like a really, really long time. But uh, the, the Formula One season, we're fortunate, guys, because it basically runs <laughs> 10 months out of the year, nine months out of the year, let's say. And uh, th- there's more months out of the year with Formula One. And I think that's uh, part of the fun. And I think that's part of make, uh, what, what makes Formula One great. And uh, I'm looking forward to a 22 race next season. Anyways, I'm also looking forward to shutting this show down because miraculously I have made it through to the very, very end, but uh, my voice is almost uh, completely done now. But uh, before we go, I just want to give a shout out to Happy Trails 5 from the USA who left uh, a five-star rating and uh, a very nice uh, comment on uh, a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. And um, that is the perfect way to um, uh, support uh, the show and help us grow is uh, by leaving a kind review and uh, and. and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you uh, download and listen to your podcast and uh, that is uh, much, much appreciated and uh, they do note that, uh, and I quote the sound quality is top notch so it never sounds piercing or too quiet as someone who has aural sensitivity that is quite welcome and that is one thing that we've always tried to do is uh, focus on our audio content because I've listened to some great podcasts over time that I just couldn't listen to anymore because the sound quality was grating for one reason or another so I appreciate the kind words and also the attention uh, that they that, that they picked up on on the production side it really is much appreciated uh, from the support and also the, the the kind words so anyways i'm going to leave it right there thank you all very much for listening if you want to get in touch with the show send us a tweet at scuderia f1 pod on the twitters or you can email us at scuderia f1 pod at gmail.com And that's a wrap. We'll be back this time next week. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the summer or the winter, wherever you are in the world. And we'll talk to you again very, very soon. Ciao. listening to the Scuderia F1 podcast. If you want to get the show notes for this episode, then head over to ScuderiaF1Pod.com Want to get in touch with us? Then email us at ScuderiaF1Pod at gmail.com